one of you. Uh, it is hard to believe, but once again, it is a time when we think in a greater way about our earthly fathers and our heavenly father. And I want to take this opportunity to wish each father a very, very happy Father's Day and that the Lord will bless you in all days to come. We also want to mention on the front end of our message that we want to assure our shut-ins, our elderly, those who are grieving, those who have many heartaches, certainly our country, and on and on we could go. And we want to assure you that we are remembering each one. This morning I want to speak about a subject entitled What It Means to Be a Father. Uh, some of the things that I will be referring to, or a number of them, will be from Randy Alcorn. Uh, back in 2019, uh, we studied a book that had sold over a million copies. Uh, he had written a book about heaven, and uh, someone has asked him to, or maybe many, uh, just to write and to give to advice to fathers as to how they can really be effective, and also grandfathers, how that they can be effective in help all, helping all involved. And so today is a special day. You see, friends, fatherhood is an incredible privilege. And we read in the book of Kings, 1 Kings, the second chapter, uh, verses 1 through 10, and then also we will read from the book of Timothy. But this is a where David gives a charge to Solomon. Listen to what he says. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong, act like a man, observe what the Lord your God requires, walk in obedience to him, keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and that they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. And then continuing to read uh, in the next verse, the Bible tells us, Now you yourselves know what Joab, son of Zeruah, did to me, what he did to me, to the two commanders of Israel's army, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. He killed them, shedding their blood in peacetime as if, as if in battle. And with that blood he stained the belt around his waist and the sandals on his feet. Deal with him according to your wisdom. But do not let the gray head go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Rezai, of Gilead, and let them be among those who eat at your table. They stood by me when I fled from your brother Absalom. And remember, you have with you Shemai, son of Gera, uh, the Benjamite, the Baharum, who called down bitter curses on me the day I went to Maharan. When he came down to me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death by the sword. But now do not consider him innocent. You are a man of wisdom. 
you will know what to do to him. Bring his gray head down to the grave in the blood. David rested with the ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, 7 years in Hebron, and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. And then also you go over to the book of 1 Timothy 2.2, and we read these respective words. And this is what Paul says in writing to Timothy. For kings and all of those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. The challenges are great for the fathers of today. And as I said just a moment ago, that fatherhood is a very, very sacred thing. Fatherhood is a calling far more important than any vocation. Our children, grandchildren, are an ongoing investment. A gift we leave to the world we won't be a part of, but which we will impact for eternity through the generations that follow us. It will at times seem long, at times seem difficult. But when your children are grown, you'll look back and wonder how quickly it has gone by. Let me encourage all of us as we start at the onset of this message, be careful how we live. We don't want to so live our lives that we look back and we see that we have a lot of regrets. At the end of their lives, nobody says that they wish they spent more time at the office or more time watching TV, but often they say they wish they had been there for their children. Human fatherhood is not merely an illustration of God's fatherhood, but the product of it. God is not a father, so to speak. He is a father from which human fatherhood is directly derived. Our fatherhood is the shadow. He is the substance which casts the shadow. As our marriage are to be signposts to the marriage of Christ and his church, our fatherhood is to point our children to their father in heaven. You see, friends, we bear on our shoulders the reputation of our Father in heaven. Whether they want to know him and walk with him really will largely depend on whether they see him in us. There is no substitute for time spent with children, no substitute for your undivided attention. I have shared this often about a little boy, and he wanted to talk to his dad, and his dad was a mechanic. And he came to his dad, and he said, Dad, can I talk to you just a minute? And, and the dad said, Son, can't you see? I'm busy. Now you go on and play, and we'll talk later. The boy came back later, and he said, Dad, I really want to talk to you. And the dad said once again, Can't you see, honey? I'm really, really busy. You'll just have to come back later. And the little boy came back the third time. He said, Dad, Dad, I really would like to talk to you. And his dad reached in his pocket and handed him some money and told him to go to the little store right close by and get him a candy bar and a Coke. And the little boy looked at his dad and he said, Dad, I don't want a candy bar and I don't want a Coke. What I want is you. And there is so much truth in what that little boy said. 
and uh, that lost opportunities and never return. And that is so sad. There's no, there's no substitute for time spent with your children and no substitute for your undivided attention. Time in his word and prayer is never wasted. It sets our compass needle to the north and brings a quality to all the rest of our lives. The Bible tells us in the Corinthian letter, set your heart not merely on what's seen, but what matters for eternity. We can look at Hebrews and look in the Bible of Abraham, what a great man of faith. And it tells us that he went into a land not knowing where he was going, demonstrated tremendous faith. We can look at Moses and we know all the happenings of his life, but he knew what he wanted and he was always looking ahead because he knew God had provided something great. What I want to do this morning, if you have a pencil and paper and have the time, I'm going to give you some advice. Uh, some of these uh, are by Mr. Alcorn, and some I've added and will elaborate more about. But uh, uh, I'm going to give you some advice that I think you will find very beneficial. First of all, fathers, read to your children. A child who doesn't learn to read will not love to read God's Word and will be robbed of joy, perspective, and power. The love of reading is a delight far more satisfying than the love of movies and video games. And it's so important that as we think about this message on the front end, that if our children, in all probability, are going to know what they ought to know about the love of God, about the teachings of the Bible, it will be because that we have taken time and realized the importance of teaching our children, reading to our children, so that they will know what is right and what is wrong. Turn off the television. The statistics show a generation growing up without the love of reading, and that will mean fewer children growing in the knowledge of God. Let me ask you a question. If you don't intervene to teach your children to love Jesus, who will? It's fine to enjoy a good program on TV, but I submit to you there is nothing more important that, than talking with your children, your grandchildren, about the way of the Lord. And the thing that bothers me today is it often seems that uh, by fruit that is being born, that children are not being taught to be grateful. And I want to encourage you to do all you can Deliver them from the entitlement mentality poisoning our culture that says, I deserve this. That's not fair. It's mine, not yours. Teach them not to be whiners. Teach them to say two magic words, thank you. Teach them that money is earned. It doesn't appear out of nowhere. To teach them all of this, of course, requires one primary thing, and that we ourselves are grateful that we're not whiners, that we are good stewards, and we're quick to give thanks. Children may often fail to do what we say, but they will seldom fail to do what we do. And we need examples. If we're so busy that we don't have time to pause and thank God for the meal that we are able to partake of, if we're too busy to stop and say, thank you, Lord, for your countless blessings, then we have our priorities mixed up. And then teach your children to confess and repent.
by confessing and repenting in their presence. Admit your wrong. Say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And it may teach them more than you would do, would have by, uh, by never failing, and far more than pretending you don't fail. Grandfathers, maybe you have regrets about not having been the best father. Well, you're, say you're sorry to your grown children and ask God to help you to be the best grandfather that you can possibly be. And then another thing that makes life beautiful, and uh, in a day when uh, possibly uh, we could do much better than we're presently doing, is give generously and involve your children in giving. I think when we gather on the Lord's Day to worship and in the Christian Church, Church of Christ, we partake of the Lord's Supper every Lord's Day. And the reason we do that is as we read about the early disciples in the Bible and reading the Holy Scriptures every Lord's Day, every time they met together, they partook of the Lord's Supper. The bread representing his body and the cup, the blood representing his blood spilled for us. And so uh, uh, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we remember that God gave the very best of heaven, the greatest person in the world. And then when it comes time, right after that, to take the offering, we have an opportunity to give as we have been uh, privileged to make our monies to give back to him proportionately. And that, in many ways, is just as important as the Lord's Supper. And you need to teach your children that. You need to teach your grandchildren that. You see, God's grace is all about giving. And Jesus said it is more blessed to give, more God-approved and more happy-making to give than to receive. The righteous man is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. And then, friends, consider your reason for living to both glorify God and to pass on to your children an inheritance of bold and deep faith. I can look back over my life and see that I was privileged to have examples of a grandfather with great faith, father with faith, and that is such an inspiration even to this very day. The psalmist said in Psalm 71, 18, So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. And then as we think about advice that we can give to our children is that we need to teach them not to succumb to the tyranny of the urgent. It may appear urgent to take a phone call when it's time for my for your kids to go to sleep. But while I could talk to that person later, my opportunity to read to my child or to play with him or her, uh, it may never return again. And once closed, it is forever gone. A big thing to keep in mind, friends, that we need to number our days, uh, that we need to take life seriously, and that we need to take time and try to do things that will be a blessing to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and realize that we have many opportunities, and it's not that hard to do it. Lost opportunities never return.
missed opportunities, began as exceptions, then they become a habit. Then the next thing we know, our children are gone, and we wonder what we could have built in through the lives if we'd only realized how important and fleeting our time with them was. Remember that Jesus came full of grace and truth. In uh, reading the Bible, we know that uh, our understanding life, that most mistakes in parenting are a failure to act according to truth on the one hand and in the spirit of grace on the other. We would say it like this, never choose truth over grace or grace over truth. The two are both essential and should be inseparable. Children raised with truth but not with grace become legalists or rebels. Children raised with grace but with not truth truth wander aimlessly, falling off the ledges because their parents failed to post signs and build guardrails and hold their hands, which could have saved them. Friends, a very important truth is found in Psalm 112.1, and that is fear God that your children may be blessed. The psalmist said, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land, the generation of the upright will be blessed. There is a time to give kids what they want, but we need to be careful. Give your children what they need. What they want is often not in their best interest. Teach them the discipline of saying no to themselves by saying no to them. For those whose hearts have been broken by their children's rebellion, never give up on them no matter how difficult their struggle, as long as they are alive, God can change them. I think so often about um, teachings of the prodigal son, and I heard a minister speaking one time, and he says, you need to see that the father was standing out on the back porch, and he had his hands above his eyes, shielding his eyes from the son, ever looking for the prodigal son to come home. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is more precious than our children. And so as we live our lives, we want to do our very, very best to set an example, to teach them, not to leave it to chance, because the teachings are so important. They're so powerful, and they can make all the difference in the world if they have been taught to the children. And then pray for your children. There is a prayer in the book of Chronicles, and uh, it, uh, and I want to share what it says. I'm paraphrasing, and uh, and in First Chronicles four, uh, verses nine and ten, only two verses, and there is a man by the name of Jabez, and nestled among all the genealogies, here is this man, and his name is Jabez, and he prays four things, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, "Father, bless me." Secondly, enlarge my territory. Keep your hand, uh, keep me from evil, and guide me in the way I ought to go. Friends, now, as you look at that portion of Scripture, he said, Bless me, secondly, enlarge my territory, guide me, and keep me from evil. Now, what I do so many times when I'm driving along, that is a prayer that I pray. I pray, Lord, bless me. Now, you say, Otis, that's awfully selfish. 
Well, you think back years ago when our African-American brothers and sisters were working in the cotton fields, and they would often say, it's not my father, it's not my brother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Now, when he talks about enlarging my territory, he wasn't necessarily talking about enlarging our areas of service to him. But it is safe to say that God is always encouraging us to realize that the fields are white unto harvest and the labors are few. And then guide me. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. Guide me. Keep me from evil. Tremendous prayer to pray for your children. Sometimes it's the only thing that you can do then, do for them. But it's always the best thing. Since God is on the throne and your power is so limited, walk away from your efforts long enough to ask him to exercise his omnipotent, to do what's best in your children's lives. And then it's so important, moms and dads, that you cultivate your marriage and protect it. Children today, little boys, little girls, all the way through, need to see faithfulness on the part of dad to his wife and wife to her husband. Don't drift your different directions, losing yourselves in worlds that don't include each other. Children will sense emotional and intellectual divides between their, between their parents and it will make them uneasy and sets them up to play one of you against the other. The best thing you can do for your children is to love God, both of you, mom and dad, with all of your hearts. And the second best thing that you can do is love each other with all of your heart. Take extraordinary steps to stay pure and clean. We read in the, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart. And friends, in our day, uh, probably... One of the biggest temptations we deal with is sexual temptation. And I never will forget hearing Billy Graham say one time that sexual sins are some of the dangerous sins that you can commit. You may be listening to this broadcast and you may be dealing with unfaithfulness to your wife or vice versa. Let me encourage you, friends. Countless Christian fathers have ruined their spiritual heritage through their carelessness in this area. Don't think it can't happen to you. Don't think it can't happen to you. Put yourself in the wrong situation long enough and you will do what's wrong just like anybody else. That those, that's what those to whom it happens think. That many, many times that they can handle it and they get themselves in precarious situations and before they know it, they have committed a sin that they certainly will regret and wish they had never done. Realize that it only that it takes only money to leave your children an inheritance, but it takes spiritual discipline, a long obedience in the same direction to lead them a true heritage. It's God who gave you the job of being a dad. It is God who gave you the job of being a grandpa, and it is God who will give you your final job evaluation. It is His approval that it matters most. He is quick to forgive, but he expects you to be quiet or quick to repent and follow him faithfully. Live to hear God say to you one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. Embrace the fact that apart from Christ, you can do nothing. We know in John the 15th chapter, we read about the vine and the branches. 
that means that all you can do in your own power will amount to nothing. What you do in the power of Christ will last for eternity. Years from now, your children, your grandchildren, generations to come, will sit by you at the king's table and thank you and God and thank God for you. Tremendous responsibility. And these are some things that just make sense. A lot of this is common sense. But it seems like we have lost a lot of common sense. We lost a lot of understanding what is just basic that we ought to do uh, for our children and our grandchildren. Fathers, you have a tremendous responsibility. There's no question about it. What you are is what your children uh, will largely be. If you're kind and they see kindness, they probably will be kind. If you're kind to your wife, they'll probably be kind to their wife. And so forth and, and on and on we can go. So I pray, Father, uh, fathers, that you will rise to the challenge, that you will realize that this is sacred, and that you will seek to be uh, the kind of person uh, that God wants you to be. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your teachings, and it's tough in our day because uh, many people uh, don't realize, many fathers don't realize as they ought, what an awesome job they have. And it's tough. It's tough. But my friends, if we study life, we know that if we're going to stand for something and if we're going to be a blessing, that many of these things that need to be done are tough. And I pray that you will be with each father, each one who is listening, and that you will bless them. And that they, if they need to reevaluate their lives and make a greater effort, I pray you will give them the determination and the strength and that they can go on to be a great father and be a blessing to their children. Bless, O Lord, our land. Bless each listener. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.